Well, hello, Bible listeners. So glad that you are with us today as we are in this Christmas season, right? It is, Alan, is it the fourth day of Christmas? It's one of those times where you're like, I don't know what day it is, right? Yeah. Is that week My kids are out Christmas? of school. Right. Like something. The, the beautiful thing is, is that there's 12 days of Christmas and lots to celebrate. So today we wanted to um, start off our um, podcast with the Christmas season blessing from the Book of Vocational Services. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. May Christ, who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly, fill you with his joy and peace and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. So we're on our own today, Alan. We've had these two amazing guests about Ruth. So I'm kind of nervous. You think we can handle this? I think so. Although without Jamie to read us uh, Ruth, I don't know how we're going to do it. My voice isn't quite the same soothing as as Jamie. She's so soothing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we're picking up Ruth chapter two. We're going to do a whole chapter. It's kind of weird to be in a small book of the Bible. And I guess we'll have this some um, in the Old Testament for a while when they're shorter. Uh, it's not yeah. like Genesis where we're trying to get through like 15 chapters I mean, at once. I, I really like it, especially when it's a book like Ruth, which just has so much. I've told you this is one of my favorites. So being sort of slow with this mm-hmm. during this time of Advent and Christmas when it's supposed to be a little bit slower, it's really kind of lovely, I yeah. think. It's great. Yeah, we don't need to race through stuff. That's right. You know, it's a chance to to linger with scripture a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, chapter one, we have the backstory of Ruth and um, Naomi and Orpah and all of that. And then we leave off and Ruth and Naomi return home. Um, They're back in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So that sets the scene for um, Boaz to come on stage. And Boaz plays a huge role. And we'll talk about that, his relationship with Ruth. Um, as we go through. So I'll read a little bit here. This is um, the boring New Revised Standard Version. (laughs) (laughs) Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I I may find favor. She said to her, go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, To whom does this young woman belong? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves and behind the reapers. So she came and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting for even a moment. So that sets up their meeting, right? Um, 
Ruth should we saying, t- should we, let me ask you a question. Let me interrupt you. Should we talk about what the word Kingsman means? We talked about it a little bit last week, but I think that could would help us. It helps me to understand that. So my, yeah. you tell me what your understanding of a Kingsman is. Yeah, it's um, a male re- relative who takes responsibility for someone when their life is falling apart. Right. Right. It's kind of like um, an executor of a whip, maybe like I don't it's hard to translate it into 2000. But like, you know, if my sister dies, um, Mm -hmm. I if my sister and brother in law die, I'm taking care of their kids. Or if I die, some friends in Houston uh, are taking care of my kids. Probably ought to revisit that since I don't live in Houston anymore. (laughs) Um, But but it's that same idea. Right. It's. Someone that's especially for women, right? Yes. When a husband dies, a woman was essentially reverted back to property um, with no autonomy, no nothing, no resources. Um, And so they needed a kinsman. They needed a family member who would take responsibility for them. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really, really important because in that time period, right, women, you know, Naomi and Ruth, they're without their husbands, they don't have any money, and they're just like trying to survive. And one thing I read was um, Naomi may have been related to Boaz through her deceased husband, there could have been some relation there. And so that's also helpful. I think it's sort of setting the scene of this isn't like some random guy. There is a connection there somehow. And I think we were talking a little bit about this before, but I think that kind of gives that tenderness that Boaz has to Ruth, which was, is really Alan's word, but is, is important. Um, so as we're setting the stage, it's, it's, it's a relationship that's already a little bit there, even though they don't know each other. Does that make sense to folks? So I I think that's sort of important as you're thinking about that. And he also was, had a lot of money, right? He was, he had these fields. He he like was someone that could take care of people. He's a person of great wealth. And that was something that was probably attractive to Ruth and Naomi, right? Because they're like stranded. They have nothing. They've lost their husbands. They have no way of like figuring out what to do. So you know, I think that might be sort of important to talk about a little bit too. So she goes to this field, right? And she's like, here I am. Let me try to work. Maybe somebody will take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she both wants to work and it sounds a little to me like she wants to find someone to take care of her. She's desperate. Right. And, um, yeah, people in desperate situations do desperate things. And, um, She's willing to go out there and follow these laborers around in the hopes of finding someone. Which is probably in that time period. I mean, I think we should give Ruth some real credit for that, for that bravery, right? Of being able to say, okay, this is the situation I'm in. I got to pull my bootstraps up. I got to, you know, put my humbleness in and just like go for it and see what I can find. Um, And I don't mean just the man aspect of it. I mean, of like being willing to go and work, right? And try to support because I've made this commitment to Naomi and she's older and she's my mother-in-law and I got to go do what I can do to try to make us be able to um, have some sort of normalcy, food on the table, 
something like that, you know? So I, I give her a lot of props because I would think during that time that would be super hard. But, you know, we see that in this world today, right? Women who, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, their home life's, home life's not great. They've got kids and they're like, I got to go out there and figure this out. I got to support my family. And that's what's happening. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Keep reading to a story time with yeah. Alan. Story time with Alan. <laughs> then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I've ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell prostrate, prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land to come to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant even though I'm not one of your servants. Yeah. He was really tender and loving to her. Yeah. I mean, he saw her, right? Like, um, I see in this story, like Ruth, we talked about, she's a foreigner. She's widowed. She's with her mother-in-law and, you know, wives and mother-in-law sometimes have, you know, that's reading back 21st century thing, but like, yep. it's a hard situation. She probably didn't feel seen a whole lot. Um, yeah. But here we have Boaz who hears her story. Here's uh, the love that she showed for Naomi, what she was willing to do um, for Naomi. And um, yeah, and it struck a chord with him, it seems like. And so his response is one of compassion, of kindness, of tenderness toward her. Yeah. And it's a great example of sort of how we can be those kind of people. Um, You know, I think I have a hard time. Like, I just want to fix things a lot of times. I'm like, how do I just fix this? But I think Boaz shows a great example of just, like you said, being seen and listening and just loving people. And that's really what we are called to do. Um, And I think not trying to make it okay, but just letting people be seen. Don't you think that's what people need and what people want? Yeah. I mean, that's the number. Yeah. Like that's how we, I mean, it's really easy to walk past people on the street. Um, It's really easy to not think about things today. It's really easy to go through entire conversations with people you love and not actually look at them. Yeah. Right. Cause we're distracted by a million things. Uh, but the act of like looking someone in the eyes, seeing them, knowing their story, hearing their story. I mean, that's where relationship is built. That's where um, love is deepened. Well, and I think affirming their feelings too, like, yeah. you know, um, Alan has done this for me. I've done this for him. We've done this for a lot of people. Like, not even like saying anything, just letting those tears flow and saying, you're allowed to have feelings. You're allowed to 
care, feel, and that's what Boaz did for Ruth, you know, is he just saw her. Um, and I think that is a real element we can miss in life. Um, is we just, like you said, life is busy. We just got to move to the next thing and blah, 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 blah. I remember yeah. a, uh, a retired priest one time that I really respected. I asked him, I said, like, if you could, this is sort of at the beginning of my priestly journey. Like if you could do anything over in your, um, time as a priest, like what would you do? And he said to me, you know, all that administrative stuff, it's, you know, it's all really important, but I wish I just would have spent more time just sitting in people's homes and listening to them. I wish I would have spent more time just holding people's hands. And I don't know about you, but I've been kind of working on 2022, Alan, like thinking about some of my goals and you know, the podcast is definitely one of my big goals and things that I want to work on. But for me as a parish priest, I really want to try to sit with people a little bit more. You know, all that administrative stuff will get done, but just spending time sitting with people and doing what Boaz did, just seeing them. Yeah, it reminds me. um, I went to a concert a couple months ago. Um, Bethany Bernard is a Christian singer songwriter. Maybe you know. Well, I asked you yeah. about her. Yeah, and she has this one song. Much. Yeah, she has this one song that I've been listening to on repeat uh, recently. It's called "From the Head Down," and there's this one um, kind of couplet in there that I'm I think speaks to this. And Bethany in the song is talking to God to a friend, like it's really unclear. Um, kind of based on the words, but she says, your greatest kindness is not answering questions. It's just when you listen and believe when I can't. I love answering questions and solving problems. Yeah. Right. Um, Like that's my automatic response. And so like when people come to me with feelings, I want to jump out of my skin because like I can already think like I I obviously know how to solve this. Right. Mm -hmm whatever. No one needs that. That's right. Um, they need to be seen and heard and listened to. And that's what we as priests are called to do. That's what in relationships we're in are called to do. That's what Boaz, right? Like Boaz, there's some problem solving in here. It's like, go drink some water. If you need some water, there's all of that. But the main thing is stay with me. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to take care of you. Like, may we all have that kind of friendship in life, right? Whether, I mean, we know the story and we know it becomes romantic and all of that afterwards. But like before that, just like, I've got you, you know? Um, And I love that line in Bethany's song of believe when I cannot believe. That's intercessory prayer right there, right? And I mean, I've done that a ton of times when I've said to people, like, just give it to me. Give it to me. Let me pray for you. Um, because I know you can't hold this right now. And that's exactly what Boaz is doing. All right, let's get back to story time with Alan. Yeah, here we go. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some of this bread and dip your morsel in sour wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he heaped up for her some parched grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. 
When she got up to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, let her glean even among the standing sheaves and do not reproach her. You must also pull out some handfuls for her from the bundles and leave them for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Uh, I'll keep going. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She picked it up and came into the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. Then she took out and gave her what was left over, after she herself had been satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi 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 also said to her, The man is a relative of ours, one of our nearest kin. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay close by my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is better, my daughter, that you go out with his young women. Otherwise, you might be bothered in another field. So she stayed close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So from here, it almost sounds like Ruth didn't know who Boaz was. I know. That's interesting. Right. But there was some sort of relationship there. There was a connection, right? Right. And this is... um, you know, I think we talked with Greg a little bit about kind of the movie quality of this. And this is kind of the chance, the chance meeting, right? They're out in the field and, you know, we as the audience know we're given a clue in the beginning of chapter two that Boaz was a kinsman of Naomi. But we don't know. We don't think that Ruth knew that. And so Ruth right. has this interaction with someone who shows kindness and knows the story and knows all of it. Um, and only after she eats and is well filled and goes and talks um, to her mother-in-law does she find out, oh, this is family. Yeah. Yeah. Not blood family, but yeah. there is a relationship, that, which is, I think, important to say because they get together. Um, but But there is this relationship there. And I love, like... Um, Ruth going home and like, you know, you know, I know you have to think about that time period. Like there's no TV, there's no Netflix, there's like nothing to distract us. But like she's going home and she's like, let me tell you about my day. Let me tell you about this guy I met. I'm so excited. I can just like see the girl yeah. in her like, and he was so nice to me. And one thing that we talked about a little bit before we started, like, I mean, the girl in me is like giddy. I, I can feel it, you know, but she does feel this overwhelming um, urge to thank Boaz over and over and over and over again. And I think um, as women, a woman, I can relate to that. Like, I, I don't know what it is like sort of ingrained in us that we feel like we have to say, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A minute ago, I said, I'm sorry to Alan. He goes, stop it. You've said, I'm sorry too many times. You know, that's just what women do a lot. And so there's sort of, um, I don't know, this appreciation more for Ruth that I'm like, okay, like I get that. I do that too, you know, um, but I also appreciate that she is willing to say thank you when she needs to say thank you, you know, 
Um, and I think that those, those, that kindness, that tenderness, that thank you, those are things in 2022. I mean, I've tried to do that my whole life, but like, I want to be more aware of that. Um, people need it. She needed it. She was so desperate for it. And she's, as, um, Janie said last week, we, we tend to really go to the humanness of this a lot. Um, but she's just like me. She's just like you, you know, um, and I appreciate that to have these folks that were in the Bible that I can relate to. I don't know about you, but that feels really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, last week we talked about that God's not explicitly in Ruth like the name mm-hmm. God or any of that. But we talked about that God's in the love, God's in the connection. Like, I think, you know, you've had experiences like this. I've had experiences like this. Like when life is hard, someone tends to show up in our life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and sometimes that's a voice from on high. I've had those experiences where I hear God sure. clearly. Um, but sometimes it's the soft voice of a friend. Absolutely. Sometimes it's someone reminding you Jesus loves you. Sometimes it's someone just saying, hi. Yep. That's God, God is in that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I do not disagree with Janie at all when she said, I think God is the main character of Ruth mm-hmm. uh, and of the book of Ruth. And I, and I'm, I'm really thankful she said that because I do think Ruth has gotten some hard hits in life, like that God is not, mentioned one time why is it here but I, I think she's right and I think you're right I mean that is so God showing up exactly when we need it through the hands and feet of other people right I mean, um, that's what we talk about in church right like we are God's we are Christ's body in the world like that's our theology about the church that's who we are and so when someone says God's not here um, well the church is here how can we be collectively the body of Christ, but each of us individually are part of that body of Christ. And so we can be that presence of God with each other. Um, I preached Christmas. I was Day. just about to say, I want you to talk about your, no, I wanted you to talk about your December 26th. Yeah. Sermon. December 26th. All these days run together. Whatever. I know. I right. preach we Christmas preached Day. like three days in a row. <laughs> yeah. No, Paula, Paula preached Christmas day and it was excellent. I preached the Sunday after, uh, you know, and I talked about, because the scripture for that day as well was John 1, 1 through 18. The word became mm-hmm. flesh and dwelt among us. Like, that seems really cosmic, and that's just really whatever. Um, but I preached about my experience after Hurricane Harvey. I can link to the sermon. I don't need to yeah, recount it all. Yeah, please do, because it was but, so good. Um, yeah, like God, like love became flesh. And people who drove through the night with a boat behind their truck from Virginia to rescue people, including my family, right? Love yeah. became flesh in a lawn guy who spoke no English, who had a truck and was willing to ferry people around Houston. Love became flesh in a homeless guy who wanted to buy my family some food when we were stranded in a parking lot, yeah. right? Like that's not just people being nice. That's God's will being done through people who were open to having God act through them, whether or not they knew it. Right. Like I think God uses people sometimes unaware. Um, so that when, you know, the city of Houston is reeling, people show up when they need to show up. Sometimes it's with axes and helicopters and literally saves people's lives. Sometimes it's when a family loses Netflix 
and needs to get out of a hard situation. Yeah, I totally agree. And I hope you will leap because it was so good. But, and I, and I agree. I've seen that over and over and over. Um, that goodness, that kindness that comes from people and maybe they're not aware that they're doing it, but I think that's God just working right through it. And I think that's what happens with Bo, with Boaz and Ruth. And we'll see even more, um, as the story goes on, um, how they love each other and care for each other and that tenderness and all of that. And so, you know, next week when we record, Alan, it'll be 2022. And so this is our last, um, recording of 2021. And I don't know, I just really have been, I listened to this great podcast that Michael Curry, presiding Bishop Michael Curry did with Jen Hatmaker the other day. And, you know, just towards the end of the year, you start thinking about this stuff. And so for me, I just, you know, want to be like Boaz. I want to be someone that listens and shows tenderness and care And, you know, I won't meet all those goals in 2022, but I hope I'll have that, you know, at the top of my head. What about you? Do you have anything you're thinking about for 2022? Yeah. Um, Being more present. You hinted at it as a priest, right? Yeah. I'm still getting to know my people. And so that's going to be important just for my job. But I, um, I struggle with being present with people. And so how can I you know, slow my brain down. Number one, cause like ADHD is right. crazy. Um, and just focus on seeing people hearing their stories and just listening, not solving problems. Yeah. We got, we got the same goal. So thank goodness yeah. we're good friends. We'll hold each other accountable to that. So I'm going to be like, Hey, how many people did you see this week? And you did the same to me. Okay. Sounds so good. In 2022, listeners, we hope you'll continue on this journey of Bible love with us, something that Alan and I find to be a very fruitful and loving ministry in our hearts, and we hope it is to you. And we hope that you always remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does. 